Okay, good morning. <laughs> You're awake now, right? That's one way to stop a crowd from talking. <clears throat> All right. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. So, let's see what we got going on here. Anybody have a birthday this past week? Celebrate a birthday? All right. We got one. Oh. Okay. We missed one, huh? Whose who's birthday was it? Jerry. All right. Let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. How about anniversaries? Anybody celebrate an anniversary this past week? No anniversaries. Okay. And by way of announcements, uh, we have uh, the Lexington Historical Society meets in the Fellowship Hall on the fourth Monday of each a month at 6 p.m., so uh, February 27th, tomorrow. Tomorrow night, they will meet here, 6 o'clock. If uh, anybody wants to come, the meeting will feature Phil Bundy with tales about Morgan Foods. So, going to get a good history of Morgan Foods, I suspect. And uh, on the second Monday of March, two weeks away, uh, is the men's meeting, and we're hosting it here. So ladies get the meal prepared, and uh, we will have that going. Let's see, the meal starts at 6.30, meeting starts at 7.30. Okay. And I'm not sure yet if I'm going to be here or not. I'm still waiting to hear about the schedule of my surgery, so if I'm not, I've got to line up somebody to speak. So we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. I guess we're ready for our opening hymn at the cross. Brother Bob wants to lead us at the cross, number 301 in the hymnal, if you want to use your hymn book. Good morning. Oh, it's a nice crowd this morning. Good to see everybody here. Let's turn to number uh, 301 this morning, and uh, we'll, we won't start our worship. We will continue our worship with uh, At the Cross. Let's stand and sing. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my 
Amen. Brother Mitch, will you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Our Father in God, wow, you are so amazing. You are so awesome. We can't give you enough thanks and enough praise for all the blessings that you bestowed upon us. Lord, every breath is a gift. Lord, we come here this morning seeking you. Yes, we enjoy fellowship with one another. Yes, we, we enjoy uh, the, the camaraderie, but we come to seek you, to worship you. Lord, help us to remain focused on you throughout this service, allowing our hearts to reach out to you and to receive from you all that you have for us, all of your goodness, all of your love, all of your mercy, all of your grace. Lord, lead us to repentance. Lead us to be, being drawn closer to you and change us, transform us so that we live more like you and for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father. You may be seated. As we continue our praise this morning, let's turn to number 322. I love to tell the story.
Amen. Our communion hymn is number 257, Near the Cross.
Brother John Kimmick has our meditation this morning. Well, at the beginning of this month, I uh, found a 21-day meditation on the love of God. And uh, I, I took from that the first Sunday, and I thought, boy, this is going to be an easy month. You know, I got 20 other ones to choose from, and God had other plans. And uh, hopefully uh, this kind of goes in two different ways, and um, it kind of summarizes, I think, everything that I was trying to say this month. So, um, yeah, I had this, uh, just one line from a song stuck in my head this whole month, really, and it says, where would I be without the love of God? Amen. And uh, today, on the way here, I started to think about where I am because of the love of God. Amen. And uh, so two weeks ago, I had a really rough week in, uh, at work. So the following week, I set an alarm on my clock, and it has a snooze function so I can snooze it for every hour. So I set that to go off, and I could only do that for half the day, so I had to set another alarm. So the first uh, half of the day, I get a notice to praise God every hour. And uh, for the second half of the day, it was Jesus is with you. And uh, I had a pretty good week last week. Amen. And uh, so, oh, and I also want to share, my aunt sent me this uh, devotional book. It's Jesus Calling. Enjoy peace in his presence, and uh, this has really helped me. So, on Wednesday, is, it's uh, basically it's written how uh, God would be talking to you. So, it says, you need me every moment. Your awareness of your constant need for me is your greatest strength. Your neediness, your neediness Properly handled is a link to my presence. However, there are pitfalls that you must be on guard against. Self-pity, self-preoccupation, giving up. Your inadequacies presents you with a continual choice. Deep dependence on me or despair. The emptiness you feel within will be filled either with problems or with my presence. Make me central in your consciousness by praying continually, simple, short prayers flowing out of the present moment. Use my name liberally to remind you of my presence. Keep on asking and you will receive so that your gladness may be full and complete. Then <clears throat> I also read from Ephesians. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God the, 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious mysteries. God has now revealed us to his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. And one last thing. <clears throat> um, this was from Friday I read. Be still in the light of my presence while I communicate love to you. There is no force in the universe as powerful as my love. You are constantly aware of limitations, your own and others, but there is no limit to my love. Amen. It fills all of space, time, and eternity. Now you see through a glass darkly, but someday you will see me face to face. Then you will be able to experience fully how wide and long and high, high and deep is my love for you. If you were to experience that now, you would be overwhelmed to the point of feeling crushed. But you have an eternity ahead of you, absolutely guaranteed, during which you can enjoy my presence in unrestricted ecstasy. For now, the knowledge of my loving presence is sufficient to carry you through each day. <clears throat> So I took prayer from uh, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Just let us pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being, being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Okay. Everybody got your communion, I hope? and uh, ready to share. Let me find my scripture here. All right.
So, as we share from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, and beginning at uh, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. It goes on to say, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand for the doxology. It's time for our praise hymn, and I guess Bob wants me to go ahead and lead it, so uh, I guess you can go ahead and be seated, and we will be singing uh, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, number 343, in your hymnal if you want to use your book. Tell Me the Story of Jesus.
Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. It is good to see so many here, see some faces that I haven't seen before, and I see some that I haven't seen in a while. So praise the Lord. It's good to have you all here. And uh, I just got one thing to say. God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. Amen. I know sometimes it don't seem like it, but he is always there and he is always working things together for the good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. I'm learning more and more to live by that scripture, <laughs> to depend on Jesus. I, I spell hope J-E-S-U-S. <laughs> All right, we're, we're moving forward here in the book of Mark. And uh, today we are ready for chapter 9, verse 42 through 50. And uh, uh, this section is causing to sin is the title. And so uh, here we go. I'm going to read the scripture. If you want to stand for the scripture reading, please. Thank you. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand that causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled and to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm die, uh, does not die and where the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the Word of God. So we've got some interesting uh, things here to think about. And uh, some of these uh, passages of Scripture, I know a lot of people have been hung up on it. What? Cut your hand off, cut your foot off, pluck your eye out. Does he mean that? Well... It's figurative language. He's using this to express how important it is for us to live a righteous and holy life, to do the right thing, and to, for, for our heart, our mind, to be filled with Christ and his goodness and his love and his mercy and to do what is good with all of our parts of our body rather than to do evil. I've met so many people over the years who say they're Christian, to go to church every Sunday, but then I meet them out someplace and they're telling some of the filthiest tales I've ever heard uh, and doing things that, you know, they obviously should not be doing as a Christian. And the moment they see me, they're like, oops. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's not me you have to answer to. You don't need to be worried about me. You need to be worried about the one I represent. He's the one 
that's your judge, not me. <laughs> uh, I've had my days uh, doing my evil things too. And praise God, he saved me from that. Uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, chasing women, doing all kinds of things that I knew better than to do. But uh, I just hadn't really committed myself to the Lord at that point. After he reached out to me, though, the things that I used to like, it, it's funny because the moment that I accepted Jesus, things changed. And for a while, I was super happy and, uh, you know, always trying to bring everybody on board. You got to know Jesus. You got to know Jesus. And I made a lot of people angry. A lot of people didn't like me during that time in my life. But after a while, I kind of lost that feeling. <laughs> I, I wasn't as excited. And I tried to go back to some of my old habits, to some of my old ways. But for some reason, I just didn't enjoy it anymore. It wasn't fun anymore. I felt guilty. <laughs> Took all the fun right out of it. And then I realized it never was fun. It was just fun for the flesh. But that's not real fun. If the only fun you have is in the flesh, then you're missing the whole boat. Because the real fun is in the spirit. I have been in services where the spirit was so present and so heavy upon you that you, you, you knew you were in the presence of God. And that's exactly what's going on at these colleges now where revival. People say, well, as soon as they come there, you know, the presence of God is just so prevalent. You can feel his presence and you, you feel peace. You have peace and you're driven to confess your sins. Imagine that. Can you imagine what would happen if every person in this room, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came upon us and we all began to confess our sinfulness and to plead with God to save our nation and to save our families and we all just came under so much under a heavy burden of God because of knowing that we're not living the way he expects us to. Oh, but I'm a Christian. Yeah. Oh, but I go to church. Yeah. But do you spend every moment of every day praising him and worshiping him? Do you do what you do at your workplace? Do you do what you do around your house? Do you do it praising God and doing it for him? Or do you do it for yourself or to impress others? There's a lot to think about, isn't there? You know, one thing that I've learned over the years of ministry and the years as a Christian is there's always room for improvement. I have yet to meet the perfect person outside of Jesus. I've had a few who thought they were. <laughs> and at one point I thought I was. Uh, so, you know, it's nothing new. Uh, the devil has his ways of manipulating us and getting us to think things we shouldn't if we're not focused on Christ. You know, if your mind's not filled with the glory of God and with heaven and with Jesus and controlled by the Holy Spirit, guess what's in there? If it's not God, it's not good. 
if we're not focusing on God and his kingdom, you know, seek ye first God, his kingdom, and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. But what the devil does is he gets us, you know that you would love to have that thing you saw on that commercial the other day. You know you need one. Oh, you know you need a new car. You know you need a new dress. You know you need a new pair of shoes. You know you need... And the devil offers all this stuff. You see it on television or on the internet, and it's like all of a sudden you're not thinking about Jesus anymore. You're thinking about, wow, how am I going to get that? How am I going to get that? Well, let's see, if I, if, I, if I put this off and put that off, I can use the money and I can get this. We're not necessarily asking God, do you want me to have this? Is this really for me? Or is this a trick to get me to stop thinking about you and start focusing on the things of the flesh? We need to stop and think, folks. What's going in our mind? What's going on in our mind? And what is, what is it doing to our heart? Hmm. But this is an interesting way to start a pericope. If anyone causes one of these little ones to sin. Now, in the previous pericope, he had taken a small child and said, you have to become like a child. So here he's referring back to this small child. If anyone causes one of these little ones to sin. Now, how do you cause a little one to sin? <laughs> Just let me share a few thoughts and a few stories with you. I read an article in the newspaper a few years back where there was a woman got caught in a situation where she was sending her children into Walmart to steal things. She had taught them how to do it. But because they were minors, they couldn't be in trouble like she could, she thought. <laughs> so she taught her children to go in and steal things. She would tell them what to get, and they would go in and grab it and bring it out. And they got caught. And when the police questioned the children, of course, they said, well, Mom, <laughs> Mom, guess what? Mom went to jail. <laughs> she had her kids taken from her, too. Causing one of these little ones to sin. Think about that. Then think about the multi-billion dollar a year porn industry. Little ones today are given devices much like that one that we're using today to record this sermon for school. And there have been uh, reports, surveys, uh, statistics that show <coughs> kids as young as 10 years old have been exposed, exposed to pornography. They weren't looking for it. They weren't trying to find it. It just pops up. Certain things you search for. If you all remember, there was a big deal several years back where a boy was doing a project for school on the White House. And when he typed in something to search for something about the White House, this porn site popped up. It was in the news. It was a big deal. And uh, there was a lawsuit over it and uh, successfully changed some things. But we need more of that. We need more change. And that's causing a little one 
or even a big one, <laughs> to have thoughts they shouldn't have. When you see those things. There's many ways that we often can be guilty if we're not careful. One of the ways that we're guilty of causing a little one to sin is by not teaching them about Jesus and about his word and about the truth because then they never know what its difference is between a sin. They don't even know what a sin is if they haven't been taught. They just think it's okay. How many of you have seen The Simpsons? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but their children use foul language, don't they? In those shows? And if children watch that, what do they learn? <laughs> they learn how to use foul language and how to talk bad to their parents. Causing one to sin. Even what they watch on TV can be an influence to cause them to have sinful thoughts and even to do sinful things. We need to be very aware as parents and grandparents of what our children and grandchildren are exposed to. I understand there's situations where we don't have control. But as much influence for good and for God as we can have, we need to be doing that because one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of how we raised our children and if we raised them for him or not. And he's so serious about this that he says that if anybody causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. That's almost like, you know, the mafia with their concrete shoes, right? <laughs> That's kind of what it makes you think of. But God says, I'm not playing here. I'm not playing with this. We need to be serious about raising our children for him. We need to be serious about doing and setting examples for them by living a godly and holy life ourselves. Because it's, if you just send your kids to church... And then they come home and they, they hear your foul mouth and see your foul things on TV. I'm sorry, that doesn't work. They learn by what they see and hear. They may get a little influence at church, but if mom and dad, who are my, my people I look up to, to learn from, my example in life, if they're not living right and doing right, then I'm probably not going to either. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Folks, why would he say something like that? First of all, because it's truth. <laughs> Second of all, because he's making a point of how important it is. He's saying one day we're all going to give an account for how we lived. We're all going to stand before him on the day of judgment and we're going to have to give an account of what we did and why we did it and if we were obedient to him or not is the main thing. How much of his word have we studied? How much have we taken in to us so that we know what to do and what not to do? 
it's hard to know if you're doing right and wrong if you've never read the Word of God and to, to know what He expects of us. Going to Sunday school and church is good, but it's not enough, folks. We need to spend time in the Word on our own. We need to read it for ourselves and let God Himself speak to us through His Word. I can remember many times when I've been reading the Word, especially as a younger Christian, but even now sometimes, God just, just grabs my attention sometimes. Certain scriptures I read, it's just like, wow, I, I didn't realize that. Amen. I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> I've got to fix that. He doesn't expect perfection from us, folks, but he does expect us to be trying more and more to become perfect. To become more like Jesus, and Jesus is perfect. Our goal is to be as much like Christ as we possibly can. And I think that it should be obvious to us why he wants us to be more like Christ. It's because one day we're going to live with him in heaven. <laughs> and if you're not like him at all, you're probably not going to be there with him. So how we live is a reflection of what we believe. As a man thinketh, so is he. God changes the way we think, just like I shared earlier. I no longer enjoyed the sinful things that I used to, and I thought nothing of it. But after I come to know Christ, instantly I felt guilty. Instantly. It's like, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm, I'm hurting God. God's weeping right now. Why do I do that? I need to stop. But he's so serious that he talks about cutting off your limbs. Why? Because he doesn't want us to go to this place called hell where the fire never goes out and where the worm is never quenched. It, it, the fire's never quenched and the worm, it, it, it just keeps eating and eating and eating. So it's better, he's saying it's better for us to do whatever is necessary, whatever it takes. If you need to throw that hell box that you call a television out the window, get rid of it. Get it out of your house so that it doesn't influence your evil thoughts anymore. Yeah. Oh, I only watch the news. Well, I've got news for you. There's a lot of evil in the news too. I'm not saying that the television in and of itself is evil, but it can influence you. The devil uses it. Well, let's just watch this show. Next thing you know, there's two men holding hands, two women kissing, something like that. And it's like, what? I thought this was supposed to be a Christian show. <laughs> I, I, you know, there's some things that, and, and, and I want you to notice too, when you're watching a movie or when you're watching television, some of the most evil people on these shows, the part they play anyway, they're wearing a cross. Almost always, the worst people are wearing a cross like they're supposed to be representatives of Jesus. I'm sorry, that's just, that's mocking God, it's blasphemy. Jesus loves us too much to let us live in a sinful state so that we end up in hell. That's the whole point. 
That's what he's saying. I love you so much. I died for you so that you would have the power and the ability to overcome this addiction to sin. Because all sin is addiction, folks. I don't care. You can call it whatever you want. But all sin is addictive. Okay? And that's called the snare of the devil. Oh, I really like this show. Uh Uh-huh. Next thing you know. They're doing things that shouldn't be doing. And it goes into your mind, folks. Whatever goes in eventually comes out, and it has an effect on what we think and what we believe. How do you think the devil got people to accept homosexuality? It started out with them making jokes about homosexuals on sitcoms. You all remember... uh, Three's company. One guy was pretending to be gay so he could live with these two girls in an apartment. And they rented together. And he was always pretending to be gay. And everybody was laughing. It was so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Then it changes to things like uh, the movie, uh, the, the homosexual couple. It was attorneys or something. One was an attorney. Tom Hanks played in it. And... Folks, I cried watching that movie. And then I realized, that's the whole point. They want you to feel sorry for these people, even though they're living a life of the devil. They're going exactly against what God's word says. But I sat there and I thought, man, this is so hard. This is so horrible. He's losing his lover to cancer. And it was so horrible watching him sit there next to him till, it, till he died. But then God said, see, they got you. <laughs> they got you. Those kinds of things began to turn the hearts of people to think of homosexuality as just another form of love. And they even take scriptures now out of context to say it's just another form of of love. God says it's an abomination. We must do what God says is right, not what man says is right. God says to obey the laws of the land unless they go against my word. His word always trumps man's laws. His laws trump man's laws. We need to remember who we are in Christ and who we represent. Because when people see people who go to church every Sunday, they they live there next to them, they're their neighbors, they know when they're gone, they can see at the church when they're there. And then the next time they see them, They're standing in a pride parade holding a flag or holding a a, a big sign up. Gay pride. What we do matters. How we live makes a difference. And regardless of what we say we believe, our actions tell the truth. Out of the mouth. Proceed forth the things of the heart. 
Jesus is saying, don't let the devil use the things of the world and your flesh to cause you to sin. It's better if you cut those things off, even your tongue. If you can't keep your mouth shut, cut your tongue out. <laughs> uh, if you can't stop gossiping, you can't stop talking bad about somebody, cut your tongue out. He doesn't literally want us to do those things, but he wants us to understand how important it is because... There is another scripture that says every idle word we speak we will give an account for. That's going to keep me busy for a long time, folks. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, real, I, I'm, I'm being real with you, and I'm just a human being too. And I, I have my sins and my sinfulness just the same as anybody else. I'm not t- telling you this just from me to you. This is from God to us. He wants us to think of him more highly than anything or anyone. Do we really do that? That's the real question. Do we really think more of him than we do of our cushy time sitting and relaxing and watching television or a movie? Do we, do we really, are we willing, if he asks us to give up that time to do something for him, to go to a special service or to go out and to witness to someone else, are we willing to do that? Because I can tell you right now, folks, we are all called to go and make disciples. If we were really doing that, this church would be full and running over. Every church would be full and running over if we were really out winning people to the Lord. Truth stings. Me too. Same as you. I'm no different. I'm no better than anybody else in here. And I'm not trying to give that impression. I'm just sharing what God has given me. Because this is for me too, folks. Because I haven't been doing as much as I could either. And I'm ashamed. So I hope that you feel that same. Because God wants to bring revival in our hearts. And it begins by us feeling guilty for our sinfulness and repenting. And coming clean with God about everything. Everything that we've done that we know is sinful, and we did it anyway. I think of it like this. I saw, uh, I saw an instance one time. I mean, I was, I was there <laughs> physically. I saw this. A person got pulled over by a, a state trooper. And he was sitting on the side of the road. And the trooper pulls up, you know how they do, out a little bit in the lane with lights on. And he steps out and starts to walk up to the car. (laughs) He takes off. Cops get back in his car and goes after him. Well, in many ways, we're like that. God tells us to do something. And at first, we think about it. Gets our attention. But then we decide, no. Or the devil offers us some alternative. We go there. 
where the devil offers instead of where God says. Something to think about. So if you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing number 393, Without Him. And uh, one of the elders will pray with anyone. If you need prayer this morning, you just come forward. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be singing, but you just let me know and I'll come down there. So let's stand together and sing number 393, Without Him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. And uh, we are ready for our prayer request. Him and uh, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll have our closing hymn. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for your many, many, many blessings. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Lord, thank you for these words that even though they may sting, because there's truth that we know we need to improve. Yet, Lord, let it be used by the Spirit to drive us to change, to transform us to be more like Christ. Lord, we love you, and we want to represent you well. We don't want to get caught with having the attitude that we're just seeking only what you can give us, but not what we can do for you. Lord, help us to be balanced in that we want to serve you as well as receive from you. So this week, guide and direct us 
and help us to do this in honor of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be with you.